gentlemen welcome back to another wonderful episode of the curiosity chamber and today's podcast is unofficially sponsored by rise coffee rise drink it or don't i don't care they're not paying me it's no sweat off my brow can i tell you what scares the literal bejesus juice clean out of me just clean out of me is unexpectedly dying like Dying while spanking your monkey. I know a lot of you had thought about that. I know it. Don't don't lie. But that has got to be the worst possible outcome for a guy. No pun intended. But sh- listen, if if you die while spanking your monkey, like you have to have your shit in order before you die. So you don't get the chance to do that at all. So there's going to be all this non-factual interpretation going around, all speculation, and that's when shit can get hairy. And listen, if I'm spanking my monkey and I die and my phone is plugged into the charger, that's a real big problem because guess what? That phone ain't dying. Now is it? No, no, no. So ultimately, when the cops come after two or three days, They'll come in and they'll see me Indian style, but upside down with my phone next to me, just the porno on repeat. And, you know, they're going to have to make like a final call and they're going to have to identify my body, but they can't because I have Adderall dick and my bush is just so out of control because I was not expecting company. They won't know what to put. And then they'll see the porno that I'm watching and it's going to confuse them even more. so lately what I've been into is like golf porn, but it's like, okay, it's going to sound weird, which it is not proud of it, but it's like a a stepdad golfing. And so he's like going in his bag and he's looking for like a a sand wedge, but he gets stuck in his bag because the sand wedge is a smaller club. If you don't golf, you don't understand. But anyways, the greenskeeper, he gets involved. He's trying to assist the stepdad from behind. And then like, there is like, down the course there's a a woman obviously but it's the cart girl and she's in the picture but anyways you just wouldn't understand but that's what i'm worried about i am so scared of that and then there's just lube everywhere and like napkins and paper towels it's a real real bad situation so do your cardio uh eat your vitamin d your fish oil so you have a strong heart and uh, thank you for letting me share that. Also, where was I at the uh, the last episode? We left off at colleges, I believe. So I was applying to Brown University, and they denied me because I wasn't professional enough. So, ha showed you, bitch. All right. Glad we got that out of the way. You know what's wild to me is that certain friends – hold keys to your mind 
you know, so like, for example, we have so many memories in our brain, right? But some are seriously like deadbolted and locked that you can't even unlock it. Like you, you with the memory, you cannot unlock it. Only a friend that you shared the memory with can. And how often does it happen when a friend's like, he he tells a story and then you're like, oh shit, I completely forgot about that. Oh yeah, I remember. Because you were there, you experienced it, but you were unable to unlock that. That's why I like kicking it with my friends because we always have laughs, man. Always. It's always so fun because they hold the key to that file cabinet that has not been opened in so many years. And I like nowadays, I don't get to see my friends like often at all. We all have kids and just work and, you know, all the bullshit that everyone says. But it's true. It happens. You get old. Like when you're in your 30s, this stuff happens. So when we all meet up again, start going through it like dude it's just non-stop laughs because it's who i shared my basically my entire life with was danny and brian so that's kind of cool i'm sure you guys have friends that unlock your uh your file cabinets in your brain as well it's so strange though because we all have it we just can't access it without them i wish i could because i know i have so many funny ass stories but I just can't recall right now. I can recall this one though. Um, me and Danny were were driving to the bowling alley, and it's nearby our house, maybe like a ten minute drive. And we had just gotten our license, maybe. And you know, he makes a left hand turn to clear a light, and this car comes whipping out like from across the street. And we're almost certain that there's no way it missed us. Like, it had to have hit us. It had to have been a head-on collision. We died. 100%. But, okay, so if we died, our spirits drove this vehicle, this spirit vehicle, too, apparently. That was probably totaled in this accident. But we make it to the bowling alley. And when we walk into the bowling alley... It's just the lights are so vibrant. It's silent. It's peaceful. There's not a soul in there. It was just, it reminds me of the big Lebowski. Like when he gets knocked out, knocked unconscious, and he's just like floating down the uh, the bowling alley. That's what it reminded me of. It was so wild. We were high. We smoked weed, so that could have something to do with it. But yeah, I think the next chapter that just kind of goes in chronological order would be college, right? So we're we're trying to make this like four to five episodes. So obviously I ended off the last episode uh, and I told you what I got on my ACT, like a monkey can do better than me. So there's just no way in hell that I was going to get into a college. There's just no way. I, obviously, I still applied and did all these applications because all my friends were leaving. Honestly, every single friend was going to a college. Um, other friends moved to Colorado. So in high school, I was a social butterfly. I had tons of friends that I was just like jump group to group, but my main best friends were Brian and Danny. But I had ultimately more friends than just them. But everyone went to college. 
ironically, except for Brian and Danny, they stayed here and worked. So I got to chill with them, which was cool. But the experiences that I was going to miss out on, was kind of bugging me. Like my mom was a real big advocate for college. It's like, you have to go, you have to go to college. You have to make friends. Like that's where you'll network. You'll, you'll live like the experiences that you never thought you could. You're so social, you're outgoing. Like you need to do this. This is right up your alley. So she was like my hype man, getting me like all amped up and juiced up, ready to go off to college. But after applying for a couple places, you know, everything was like denied, denied, denied. Obviously, because my scores and my GPA were horrible. So I don't know why I was thinking I would get in somewhere. So that ultimately resorted me to going to community college, which is just like high school. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a 20 minute drive for, from your house and there's no like dorms or everything is just like classrooms and you you do your classes there and you walk out it's like not an experience at all adults go there like to to get further along in their education right so i didn't want to be there at all um what was i doing at community college i was trying to get into personal training um I liked fitness. Danny and Brian got me into fitness a little bit after high school, maybe when I was like 17, 18. So right after graduation, started getting big into lifting. And I'm like, okay, this goes hand in hand. Let's go learn about the human body. So taking the anatomy classes, I was like, all right, man, I just want to work out and show people how to work out. Apparently it doesn't work like that. You have to know like your anterior posterior exterior deltoids x wings y wings death star all this shit and it was just it was just too much for me at the time because all i wanted to do was just get drunk smoke and have a good ass time with my friends that were still in the area so my focus wasn't there man so i failed that and then i dropped out and then i ended up working uh, my dad has a landscape company, so I mostly just did landscape labor. And, you know, for a pale white kid with blonde hair and blue eyes, probably not the thing you want to be doing. Got sunburned so goddamn much. But, I mean, it was cool. The guys that I got to work with, I learned a little Spanish. And looking back at it, it's hard work. I fucking hated it when I was doing it. But, I mean, that's what, that's what you always hear, like, he worked hard. He worked hard. He had a labor job and it taught him a lot of shit. Like I do feel like that, but it was just, it was torture, man. That's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. I don't want to take over his business. At one point I did because I felt lost and I'm like, all right, he's built this business. Maybe I can just take it over. But you know, after like some soul searching and some, you know, psilocybin deep trips. I'm like, it's not what I want to do. I don't want to own a landscape company. That's for him. That's cool. He built it with his bare hands. So it's a, it's different for him because he built that from nothing. Then it would be for me that just comes in and takes the reins. You know, I didn't build it. So I don't have that much. It doesn't mean a lot to me, I guess. So wasn't in the cards for me. So what did I have to do? 
In order to go to a college, I had to get credits from college. So after a year of working, I'm like, all right, man, let's give it another shot. So I went to a different community college, one that wasn't quite so ominous and so boring like the the one I went to before called MCC, McHenry County College. Shout out. So instead, I went to this place called ECC, <laughs> Elgin Community College. And I don't even know what I tried to do there. I have no idea. I went there for another year and ended up dropping out again because it ended up just being like MCC. These community colleges were just so boring to me. So now we did... 19 years old, 20 years old, we worked a year. So that's like three years gone by and I have no fucking idea what I'm going to do. Don't know what I want to do. No clue, no clue at all. I think it's pretty common for 20 year olds, 19, 20, and even by mid 20, hell, even in your thirties, maybe even forties, I think by 40, you should have a grip on reality. But it's tough, man. You have to think, like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? It's just like a a haunting question. How do you answer that when you're a fucking kid? I don't know. And I go off on a little tangent here. (laughs) Excuse me. But I don't really like how you have to make this devastating choice. Like, this is a life-altering choice. That you're having 17-year-olds, 16, 17, 18-year-olds make. What college do you want to go to? And Because you're paying a fuck ton of money. Like 70, 80, 90, 100 grand. Maybe that's on the low side for some of you. But maybe that's an average. Mine was ultimately when I got into college. Ended up being around 60. We'll, we'll get there in a second. But you're having these kids making these huge financial burdens at the age of 16, 17, 18. Preposterous. And to clarify like why I said financial burden is because what ends up happening a lot of times is kids will make a choice because their friends are either going to this college or in the moment they think they know what they want to major in but come on, man, you're a kid. You Like, what do you really know? I would have to say like the, a high percentage has no idea what the fuck they want to do. And by the time that they turn 25, they don't want to do that anymore. Like we're humans. We keep evolving. Like what we want last year is probably completely different than we want this year. So like to give that type of responsibility to a teenager, to make this choice for the rest of your life. And we all know in college what happens. Like you're drinking, you're fucking, you're smoking. The last thing you're doing for most people is going to school. We're just going to school just to get a degree. Because that's what they told us. They told us, listen man, if you want a job, you have to have a four-year degree. You have to have it. Otherwise, you're not even getting an interview. You're not. So good luck. Good luck working in retail the rest of your life or construction. That's what they told us, man. So we're like, okay, I want a high paying job. I got to go to college. And when I get out of college, I'll be able to pay back my student loan. No problem. 
What they didn't tell you is that there's not a job waiting on the outside for you when you finish. So that's the end of my rant. It's just, we all know it. It's all bullshit. It, it's the only debt that is unforgivable when you file for bankruptcy. So you are a slave to your debt. Legitimately, you are a slave to your debt. It will never go away. Everything else can be forgiven with bankruptcy goes away except for the fucking student loan. And and rants, because I can just keep going on and on about it. So, I have to get credits in order to get into college. So, okay, it's been three years. I did MCC. I got bored. I failed out. I dropped out. I worked a year. And then I went back to ECC, Elgin Community College. I got bored. I didn't fail out. I got a couple credits, but I just stopped going. So I go back to work and it's landscape again. And then, you know, I got another job at Honda corporate office just doing, it was like $14 an hour, just pressing paper. Funny story about Honda. Actually, I got fired from this job because (laughs) I was in charge of, uh, I still don't know if this is true, but it has to be. I was in charge of giving people's um, car liens, I guess, like their pink slip. So when they finish paying off their car, I give them the the certificate or whatever you get. And I had to stamp it and put like approved. Then I would fold it and put it in an envelope and send it to the person. Well, I fucked up and I sent it to a person that did not pay their full bill on their car. So I think this homie got a uh, a car without paying for it. So, you know, I think it was like Christmas. It was around Christmas. I was with who was my ex-wife at the time now, who was my girlfriend back then. I hope that wasn't too confusing, but you get the gist. We were snowboarding and I got a phone call from Honda saying I'm fired. Just don't come into the office. I was so sad. I was so sad. I was crying. I was crying in the parking lot. I'm like, what am I going to do for money? Oh, fuck no. Oh, my God. I felt devastated. I don't know. I was in a relationship. Didn't have any money. I wasn't going to school. I felt like a loser. So I got pretty depressed at that time. But, you know, you know me. I dusted myself off and I got back out there and I found another job and I started going to school again. So I have a part-time job now and now I'm going to a third community college. This one was called Harper College, but this one was pretty sick. It was like they had dorms in there and stuff and it was a massive college and it was like kind of a hybrid of the real experience It's about 40 minutes away from my house and it was cool, but ended up, you know, fast forward some time, ended up getting my credits that I needed. And I applied to this college called Robert Morris. And at first they told me, no, I was like, oh man, here we go again. And they're like, write us a a paper on why you think you're a good fit here, why we should let you in. Your scores, your high school scores are very alarming. We would have to put you on a probation if we even let you in. 
but write us a paper on why you want to come here and why we should let you in. So I'm a pretty decent writer. So I wrote my ends wits off, man, and I ended up getting in. They let me in on the uh, probation, which was I couldn't drop below a 3.0 in college. Otherwise, I would be kicked out. So I didn't want to work. I wanted to go to college and get a business administration degree. I wanted to get into marketing at the time being because I don't, I didn't know exactly what the fuck I wanted to do. I'm just following the herd. So, but I know I didn't want to work like a retail, lower end job for the rest of my life. I just, I hated it. I hated it so much. So I grinded. I got a scholarship for the hockey team, which helped pay for college and ended up being a pretty good time. Robert Morris in Chicago. And I graduated in three years. And that is when I was able to set my wings free and not find a job and have a bunch of debt. (laughs) It's so ridiculous, man. When you look back at it and how things play out, it's like, I don't want to work. I want to go to school so I can get this degree so I can get a better job. And now I'm like, I have so much school debt immediately after graduating. And now there is no job on the outside. So what do you do? Do you go get your master's degree so you stay busy and you get some tax money back because you're in school and just have a part-time job on the side or what? Like waiting tables, but it's like, I just went to, I had to bust my ass off to even get into college. And then I had to keep up like a 3.0 average to graduate college, which I did. And now there's no job waiting for me that I was promised. So like the world seemed, and I'm like 26 years old at this time that I graduated. So the world seems kind of doom and gloom right now. Because I just felt like I was lied to and I didn't end up find finding a job for like a year after I graduated. And the job, I mean, God bless these people. It was a good job. It was, um, it's called Vent Fabrics. It's a little family business, but I got a, a, a regional sales manager role, but it was like the company size was five people. So you can just put a cool title on anyone. And what I did was went around the uh, the United States and I would go talk to HVAC companies and try and sell them some HVAC fabric. <laughs> it was a wild time, man. Like they gave me, they gave me money to go on these trips and I would drive my car and it was just me. And I would go to some of these like rural spots, man, like real sketchy, like in Louisiana. Remember this perfectly. I is like go into this log cabin run down place that's gravel all over the place and trucks everywhere. I'd walk in, this dude's like cleaning his pistol. I guess that's just like a normal thing to do in Louisiana. They don't give a fuck. And I was trying to sell him, and he was just cleaning his pistol. He's like, nah, I'm not interested. I appreciate you, though. He was nice. I appreciate you, though. And, I mean, that was Louisiana. That's what I remember from it. <laughs> what a weird spot. What a weird life so far up to this point, man. 
What a weird, weird spot. So I think I was making like 40000 a year at that place at the age of must have been 25 or 26. So you're making 40000 and you're expected to pay 60000 on top of like your living costs. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster. I ended up staying at that place for three years, the Vent Fabrics. I'm telling you, the people were cool as fuck. It was really fun. Except it just wasn't paying enough. So I had to keep looking. And the one of the dudes I was working with there, he's like, man, you know what you should do? You're a young gun. You're good looking. Here's what you should do. You should work in the city. I used to do this when I was a kid. You should work at TD Ameritrade, man. You should be in the stockbroker business. I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> so he like was just raving about this place and this job. I'm like, all right, man, I'll give it a go. I'll take your word for it. And I applied and I ended up getting an interview. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, I got an interview. This is pretty cool. He's like, dude, your life is about to change if you get this job. Like, you'll be rolling in dough. This is the best job for you. Like, I'm so happy for you. So he had me all excited, man. Now, he was being my hype, man. I'm like, all right, fuck yeah, yeah, let's do this. And I'm I'm pretty good at interviews, so I felt confident going into there. It's in the city. It's in Chicago, Chicago. So I have to take a train, and the commute would be like an hour and 10 minutes each way. So for the, the interview, I hop onto a train. Um, I get to Ogilvy train station, which is the train station in Chicago. And then you have to take a bus and the bus is like a 10 minute, 15 minute ride to, uh, I believe it's the North side of Chicago. Don't quote me on that. I don't know, but it's TD Ameritrade. So whatever, 15 minutes nonetheless. And I get there and I have this interview with this dude. Uh, he seemed pretty cool. He, he seemed kind of egotistical was the feeling I got right from the bat. And this is TD Ameritrade. This is like the financial sector, man. So there is like a bunch of young guns in Chicago, all nicely dressed, all on their fucking earpiece and just not giving you the time of day. They're just busy as hell. And probably on drugs like mass cocaina and boozing it up and at lunchtime, like liquid lunches. And the interview went real good. And he's like, all right, man, we'll stay in touch. We'll stay in touch. You'll hear from us within two weeks. I'm like, okay. Left and I went home. And, you know, a couple of weeks go by. I'm still working at, at Vent Fabrics. I told the dude, his name is Mike. I'm like, yeah, man, it went good. I'm just waiting two weeks now. And I get this phone call. And it's the dude from TD Ameritrade. He's like, yeah, man, you're in. When can you start? And I was like, oh, fuck. So they sent me like a uh, offer letter. This is like the first offer letter I've ever gotten when it comes to a job because this vent fabric shop was just like, hey, man, how you doing? You good? What kind of experience do you have? I'm like, not much. All right, cool. You look fine. You want the job? <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So this place gave me an actual like written up offer letter. Um, I think it it was 50,000 a year. So it was a 10,000 
dollar jump and i'm like yeah i'm in the money now baby i'm gonna be getting some commish making 50k a year i'm a boss and i'm working in the city can't wait to meet some people and do some cocaine with them and and sell some shit yeah this job fucking sucked this was the worst job i have ever had in my entire life and i don't mean to throw shade at td ameritrade but from what i've seen whoa horrible i'm sure they don't have nice things to say about me because the way i left was kind of like a piece of shit but hey it happens um i'll i'll obviously let you in on what happened so okay to set the stage i was living with my fiance at the time in a place that's a suburb of chicago and we lived right by the train station. So I would walk from our apartment to the train station, hop on the train, go to Chicago, hop on that bus, get the TD Ameritrade. Okay, that's in mind. I Work started at 8 on the dot. Had to be 8, otherwise you're getting your fucking dick chewed off. You're getting grilled, which never makes – it never made any sense to me. Why – why managers are so like anal about that shit happens, man. Especially if you're taking public transportation, shit happens, right? But that's neither here nor there. So I had to be there at eight o'clock. It was an hour to get there, hour ten to get there. So I had to wake up at like five a.m. because the train I had to take was at, I think it was at like six o three, six o three train. I'd get on the train, I would get in Chicago at 7.03, and then I would get to TD Ameritrade around 7.30. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh man, I am not a morning person like that. For like three months, I was just miserable. And I wasn't even doing the fun stuff at TD Ameritrade. You have to take your, I think it's called a Series 7 test and like a Series 66 66 is probably wrong, but I think it's series seven for sure. There was another one. You have to get these certifications so you could talk to the clients so you can get into their accounts and stuff and work with money and them. Right. So I had to spend three months in a, basically a holding cell of just books and like practice tests and yada, yada, yada. And, I had to shadow a bunch of people and like there was one cool cat, but the rest of them were just complete dicks. I remember going to a meeting and the dude that hired me, like this guy was the devil. He was a, uh, he was a weekend warrior. So he was a, like in the military on the weekends. And I heard like a lot of people didn't like him, but this dude was so egotistical. It's like insane, man. I wish I can show you a picture. He had, brown curly hair darker skin glasses like pointy face like uh slender and is he was just obsessed with the shoes he wore he always wore new shoes like every week look at my shoes look at my shoes look at my shoes look at my feet always and we would have these stand-up meetings at like eight o'clock in the morning with like a a whiteboard where we were just going over some metrics and stuff. And I brought a granola bar. So I'm fucking starving because I didn't eat on the train or whatever. Like this is the first thing I was able to eat. 
And this dude grills me in front of everybody, like on my fourth day or something, the first week. Don't ever bring food to this meeting again. Do you hear me? Don't you ever bring food. I can hear the rustling of the wrapper. I can hear you chewing, which is nonsense because I'm I'm like, trust me, man. I, I know manners. I have manners. I wouldn't be like crumpling my papers. I wouldn't be chewing loud and obnoxiously. This guy was just, he had it out for anyone and everyone that he could. He thought he was a drill instructor. And I think he was channeling a lot of that weekend warrior, like his drill instructors or whatever the fuck happens on the weekend warrior shit toward us. Like he wanted to run this thing like a military. It's not a military, man. It's TD Ameritrade. This is like, we're all in our 20s, early 30s. Like, dude, we're all humans. Give us a break. If we want the military, we could join the military. Good God, man. But yeah, him and I just clashed heads because if people... I have a real problem with authority. <laughs> like if you're not nice to me, like I'm, I'm going to, how you act to me is exactly how I'm going to act to you. Like, don't expect me to respect you. If you do not respect me, I'm not going to do anything to where you shouldn't respect me. I'm a nice person. But if, if you are the first one to initiate something, and just because you're a little bit higher level than me, I don't give a fuck, man. I am a human just like you. Show me respect. I'll show you respect. You don't do that? Okay, fine. Have it your way. We're button heads. I'm not a little bitch. I'm not going to brown nose you. And like that's what it ended up being. Like We would just go head to head, head to head. And it got so bad toward the end of it. Actually, something happened before this. So my fiance, we, we ended up getting married. You know what? She wasn't my fiance. We were married and we were actually expecting a baby. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Doesn't change much, but anyways, we were expecting a baby. And my I'm trying to I'm trying to think because things are a little skewed right now. I don't understand why I didn't take off uh paternity. I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I don't know. It's a little it's a little hazy. Sorry. But what happened was my wife went into labor and we had our baby. His name is Julian. And I remember telling this guy that we just had a baby. I'm going to be taking off, obviously, right? I'm going to be taking off a few weeks. And... I remember getting a call from him the following day after we just had our kid. And he's like, when can we expect you in? Didn't say congratulations. Didn't say nice job. Yeah, take take a couple weeks off, man. We have patern- paternity leave or whatever. He was wondering when the fuck I was going to get back into the office and finish that test so I can get going. I have never in my entire life, met someone so disconnected with the human experience. And he was uh, he was adopted, I later figured out, and he didn't have any kids of his own, and he, he lived this kind of bachelor life. But he called me the next day. Well, I'm in the hospital with my wife at the time and my baby, my newborn baby boy, and ask me when I'm going to come back to work. Like, when when can he expect me coming in? I was like, all right, dude. This is fucking crazy. 
So I, it's a little blurry on when I went back to work, but I ended up eventually going back to work. And now you can imagine that with a newborn and then I'm just dreading going to work because my fucking asshole supervisor is just so disconnected from reality. And I have to wake up at, at like five or six in the morning and I'm not getting any sleep because of the newborn, which is fine. That's what happens. But like, I'm basically having these out of body experiences for, you know, what seemed like forever. But when I got to TD Ameritrade for this span of however long I was there for, like me and this dude were just going neck and neck, like almost screaming matches. Just like, I wasn't having it, man. He wasn't showing like any leniency, like nothing doesn't give a fuck that I have a new kid and I'm not getting any sleep. And like, it is, like you better work. You better pass this test, man. You better fucking pass this test. Why so I hired you, your dog, your dog. All right. Pass this test. That's all I cared about, man. And like, you have three months to pass this test. So the third month came and I was supposed to take the test the following week. Like I'm supposed to register for it. I didn't do that. I didn't do any of that shit. I just fucking left. Peace. I just left. I had too much. I texted his superior, actually, like internally. We had these, like a a messenger. I don't know what it was, but I texted his superior telling him the entire story of how this dude has just been like out since day one. I don't know what his issue is. Like a lot of people are talking shit about him to me. And I thought I would bring it to your attention and let you know what's been going on. And this dude, the. The supervisor's superior is like, I appreciate you for coming to me. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do. Do you want to put your two weeks in pretty much? And dude, I was like steaming. I was so livid that I was looking for the CEO of TD Ameritrade. I was looking for his email address because I was going to rat this dude out so hard. because of how bad things got. But I didn't end up doing that. I was just like, yeah, I'm putting my two weeks in. I'm out of here. This is this is fuckery. So <sighs> ended up leaving TD Ameritrade, but I had another job lined up, thankfully, pretty quickly because I was definitely doing some looking while I was working there. And uh, I found a new job. And, you know, we'll continue that story on the next episode. But Whew. All right, man. That's a mouthful right there. I can only talk for so long. God damn. Hope I didn't bore you guys. Sorry. This, uh, this is the after school shenanigans and there's like tons more, but we'll get into that. We got to keep these a little bit smaller because when it's just one person talking about his life, I'm sure it can get a little boring, but Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. As always, love you very much and have a nice night. Tomorrow we actually have a guest on and we're going to be talking about mushrooms, psychedelics. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right. Later, everyone.